crop. Who the f is that guy? I'm better than you. And you know it. This is The Law. Live audio wrestling with the latest news, info, and interviews from the world of pro wrestling, mixed martial arts, and the best of combat sports worldwide. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Tidwell and Brady Weta. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. It's another week. It's another fine episode of the law live audio wrestling that's what you're listening to right now it's been such a crazy weekend and we're going to recap all of that for you very quickly because we've got an even bigger week coming up we're going to talk a little bit about what happened at tna hard to kill we're going to talk a little bit about what happened at new japan battle in the valley probably going to talk a little bit of aew collision all of the things that happened over the weekend people showing up people leaving people changing belts new belts being presented it's been wacky that wasn't enough we're also going to preview the upcoming ufc 297 coming to you from toronto talking about sean strickland against drinkus duplessis it's going to be a hell of a card and if that wasn't enough joining us this week for my kick in the head segment is none other than world-renowned podcaster world-renowned reporter entertainment news person and just all around very cool dude and you know him because if you haven't if you know wrestling and you know anything about the internet you've seen this gentleman around there i'm talking about four-time emmy award-winning chris van vliet is going to be joining us this week we sit down for well over an hour so let's not waste any time with any more of this stuff. None of this is possible if I didn't have my guy, little Brady Wedham, joining us each and every week. Brady, brother, it's good to see you. How you doing, man? I woke up this morning here in Ontario and seen an Adat Walker outside. I swear, we're in the winter months. Empire has struck back with winter. It has been a very exciting week in combat sports. I cannot get... I can't wait to get into this show today. I almost have anxiety starting this show. It's really weird. Dude, this was one of those ones that as we started, you know, before we were recording, I'm like, okay, make sure you've got this. Make sure you've got that. Make sure you've got this. Because there's just so much going on. And we're not usually the kind of, you know, dudes, we just sit down and talk about it. We're not just like, okay, you got to have this and this and this. But hey, well, I don't we, do, anything. we do exactly what you used to do is we know where we're going, but we call it in the ring. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole lot of calling in the ring. There wasn't a lot of calling in the ring this weekend, though. No, everything Man. seemed pre-planned. What? You mean people just don't show up out of nowhere anymore? Mm -mm, unless your name is Nick Nemeth. Uh, yeah, or CM Punk, apparently, in the past couple months here. But Nick Nemeth is in TNA wrestling. That's not even all of it, dude. That's just one of them. That's one. just one of the things. So what do you want to talk about first? I'm going to give it to you like this. What do you want to talk about first? You want to talk about TNA? Do you want to talk about New Japan? Do you want to talk about AEW Collision? 
I only want to talk about our truth this week. Okay, then all of those things are going to get thrown out the window because our truth wins all. Yes, he does. And our truth is not only winning all here on the law, he's winning all in terms of merchandise sales. And we will talk about that in detail when we get back here from our lovely sponsors that are coming up. Shouts out to podstars.net. Shouts out to Destiny Wrestling. Man, we got a lot to get into. We should probably toss off to those sponsors. I'm sorry, what? Are you a member of the BC Bud Tender community? Tetherbuds is bringing their unique experience to the West Coast for the first ever event in Vancouver, BC. January 24, 2024, Tether's Vancouver event will be the ultimate Bud Tender experience, featuring industry-leading brands, gift bags, and great vibes. Plus, complimentary food, refreshments, and music. Media, influencers, and other industry professionals are encouraged to join the fun. January 24, 2024 at Beaumont Studios. Get your tickets today at fanatickets.com. TotalSportCards.com Canada's number one stop for WWE, AEW, UFC, NHL, NBA, and NFL hobby boxes. Total Sport Cards always delivers the most sought-after products with the best price points in the market that you can find. Keep your collection up to date with TotalSportCards.com TotalSportCards.com Proud sponsor of Sunday night's main event. Just a little quickie from the sponsors right there. And now we're back. This is The Law Live Audio Wrestling, and let's get right into it. We are, as you see, Brady's pointing out right there on air. We're on air. And you point that out because you're looking at it because we are on YouTube. Let's just throw it out there right now. As well as all of your podcast providers, you can also look at us, look at these pretty faces, these adorable faces. This early, uh, when we do this each and every week, on YouTube backslash at the law hyphen wrestling, if I'm not mistaken. There There's you go. a lot going on in that name, but uh, come on over to YouTube. Come Sorry, the law live audio wrestling. If I was smart enough, I would have just read it right off of the screen in front of my face. That's mm -hmm. how much is going on around us this week. All right. All so right, let's get into it. What are we going to do here? We're going to talk about let's, you know what? Let's go down the line. Let's talk about AEW collision. Was it any good to you? Um, so it was hard to watch because we had a UFC fight night going on. We had right. uh, TNA's hard to kill. There was a boxing right. event last night and the battle of the belt slash collision. I think the highlight of the night is FTR, but that's just me being biased. When you have to think about like, because you had, you had no Kingston, right? You Moxley. No, there like, was that, that was going on with the new Japan show. This is what I'm saying. So you didn't have your. The guys that just did it for you on your last big show, boop, they're off doing somebody else's show right now. Well, I know someone who didn't show up on Collision because he ripped up his AEW contract last night, and that was one Jack Perry. Jack Jungle Perry. Boy. Yes, the scapegoat, as he's calling himself, apparently. I shows know. up, and he's there, as well as Mustafa Ali shows up in New Japan. Um, added to that, Will Ospreay saying his goodbyes basically to New Japan. Like, there's big movement going on at the beginning of the year inside of professional wrestling. There is a lot going uh, on. Um, uh, Diana Perazzo made her debut, I guess, mm -hmm. at AEW as well, as well as debuts at TNA's Hard to Kill. Well, the first one of the night was on the pre show. 
It was before the pay-per-view even started, and that was Top Dollar coming out to debut his new music video with uh, DJ Who Kid. And uh, that went over like a fart in church. Yeah, I, I listen, I don't know what, obviously I don't because I don't work for the office, so I don't know what is behind their thought process on this other than the fact that, listen, Jesus. AJ Francis is a is a big dude. There's no doubt about that. And they need more of that inside of the company, especially with what happened at the end of the show, right? When you take the belt and you put it on a guy the size of Moose, uh, you got to have people out there to either compliment or go up against. Now, we mm -hmm. saw what happened. Obviously, we talked about it a second ago with the, with the debut of Nick Nemeth, formerly known as Dolph Ziggler. Uh, showing up at the very end to obviously lay out Moose. So you've set the groundwork right there for Nick Nemeth to come in and go for the belt. Directly into the title picture, which is where he should be if he's going into that company, for sure. That's a good move. But then what do you do? But then what do you do after that? Do you put the belt on him and allow him to get the give the rub over on guys? Or, or is this a chance for the the homegrown guy for TNA, the one guy that they've built from the bottom all the way up themselves, not a guy who, who came from WWE or AEW or any place else or New Japan to them after gaining success, not a guy like that, not a guy who did that and then went back. We're talking a guy in Moose who was born, bred, built by TNA. And impact wrestling. And now you've got the belt on him, the heavyweight belt on him. So let me ask you this. Do you start off by bringing in the hottest, undoubtedly the hottest prospect? You know what I mean? The hottest unsigned guy in Dolph Ziggler, right? We just saw him show up not too long ago in New Japan on their New Year's show, right? And now he's here in TNA, hanging out in Vegas, having a great time. If Dolph is there to do business, I think this is a great idea. If he's there to get over, I don't know if that's going to be the place for him. Here's the thing that I am looking forward to seeing. All of this set aside, you know, whether or not like it's a great rub for Moose, if Moose comes out on top of that program. Then you can also move Dolph Ziggler, sorry, Nick Nemeth, over mm -hmm. in programs because I'm telling you, I'd love to see him and Will Ospreay. Yeah. Yeah, him and Okada. I'd love to see him and Josh Alexander. I'd love to see him go in there and give the rub to some of these some of these guys that you haven't seen. Some of the matches, and we're talking about when we talk about this. There was a Adam Copeland did an interview not that long ago, and he was talking about what excited him about being an AEW, mm. and so many matchups that he hasn't that nobody has seen. So I'm hoping TNA takes that mentality. And does that now of speaking of TNA, I don't mean to cut you off. But what did you think of the overall feel of the entire event? So this was their, their rebirth. TNA right. wrestling is back. We're relaunching mm -hmm. our old brand. Uh, mm -hmm. We're going to bring back that nostalgia factor, but we're also going to attach a new kind of regime on top of it. Do you think they did what they set out to do last night? The, the venue looked good for mm -hmm. them. Uh, it looked fantastic. They clearly, you know, they've got a niche, right? 
Um, and if you look at, look at what they're spending right now with acquisitions, buying new belts, getting into <clears throat> different venues like this, mm -hmm. new production costs, right? Printing off that many tickets, all of these things. But you have to ask yourself, isn't this the same thing that they did when they switched it from TNA to Anthem to Impact and so on down the line? My I, feel fear, like, I feel like this is the eighth time they've rebranded. Seventh to eighth time. My fear is that it has the equivalency of just putting lingerie on a pig. Okay. And by what I, what I mean is like, are you just covering up the problem that is already there? Like, what is it going to take if you're going to try to make that leap into that number two spot? Are you taking those proper steps or are you just recycling the same problem that it was, you know, that happened over and over again? My fear, my fear is that they're always going to be considered. TNA is always going to be considered. And it, this doesn't, this isn't a knock on any of the guys or girls that work there. Let's get that straight right out the gate because they're hardworking people. But I mean, as a brand, as a thing, everybody you talk to that works for the company is very, very quick to say it's TNA against the world. Yes. It's, it's, we are, we are a small company. We are a family run business. We are a, you know what I mean? We, we have that kind of a feel in our locker room, which is fantastic fantastic but does it translate to dollars and ratings you know who doesn't say that brady who the wwe the top guys the top guys in any kind of industry in any kind of business because other people are talking about it you don't have to talk about it yourself mm -hmm. now is it easy just to compare everything to wwe though and be like well they're the best and you can't you know you should just take yes. their example it is Yes, it, yes, yes, you absolutely, you absolutely have to, especially when you're considering, like, if you want to be the best indie company out there, fantastic, yeah. go out and do that. You don't have to worry about TV or anything like that. But if you want to be the best TV production company, you have to look at the other companies that are doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. that's, that's really all there is to it, right? I wish that they have the most amazing 2024 that they could ever have for the sake of all of the people working there, because this is, this is, I feel going to be a make or break year for a lot of people inside of that company, because the way that the, the atmosphere, not the, the landscape, I meant to say the yes, way the landscape yeah. in wrestling is just trucking along. Well, I think even the atmosphere is kind of trucking along with it. I think both of those words actually fit pretty well. Um, now what do you think my, Shouts out to my day one, Crazy Steve, on winning the Digital Media North American Universal World Championship. Listen, it's about Elders. time. It's about time. It's long overdue, literally, and well-deserved. Yeah, um, Crazy Steve is a fantastic talent. I wish the lighting was better in that venue so you could see when he ripped his zombie face mask and his head was just popping through. Yeah. Oh, man, one of the best masks in wrestling history. That is the type of entertainment value um, that a company like that needs. And here's why. It's original. He very. has actually done something and made it very, very original. 
it's you've seen the progression of it over the time. Now, with that said, let me ask you about this. What did you think of uh, Dana Brooke, a.k.a. who is also now known as Ash by Elegance, showing up at TNA? Um, it was I liked her driver. OK, it. OK. I don't know about her. I, I think Which, she's got a weird track record. I think it's a good signing for them because she's still relevant. So use as much of that name as you possibly can. But I don't know. Right. I, I wouldn't bend over backwards for her. Or forwards. Here's the thing that you have to remember. Uh, when you Google Ash by Elegance, don't confuse it with Ash by Excellence because apparently that is a hair dye, yeah. <laughs> as, as I found out. Um, <laughs> um, the gimmick, though. Like mm. the look, I feel I can't put, I can't put my nose on it or my finger on my nose or anything, but I feel like we've seen this someplace. This before. is the same. It it's very, very familiar to me for some reason. It's kind of Tony storm lightish, isn't it? I mean, let's see how it plays out because we haven't heard anything. No, we, have, you know, we haven't new. heard or we, we're just going, basically we are literally going off of a meme. Just a picture. This is what we're judging all of this from is just a picture, right? Wait, none of this conversation has anything to do with our truth. What's up? <laughs> Speaking of pictures, let me segue this for you, son. Let's go, brother. Speaking of pictures, everybody's seen all of the pictures making its rounds, all the photo bombs making their rounds. And the biggest photo bombs that are going around in the WWE are pictures of people just having a casual lunch. People like the Judgment Day having a casual lunch inside of a cafeteria at a couple of tables. And who do you see photo bombing in the back? Our truth, ladies and gentlemen. Our truth. This is a man who, listen, he's my age. Mm hmm. He looks like he's been cloned five times because he hasn't aged since he broke in. That's the craziest part. And now, now, for some weird reason, people are starting to get on board. They should have been on board a long time ago. They they were, though. And the WWE figured out a way to put a belt on him that made him, like, you know, their happy meal toy kind of a dude. And we don't want to see that at our truth. We've known since the little Jimmy days and since the Miz days that this guy is a fantastic talent. When, yeah. he, used to, when he used to take a break and smoke a cigarette or drink a bottle of water, like that stuff was amazing back then. That's 10 years ago almost. Like, come on, guys, give this guy a shot. He can run with whatever you give him. He's proven it. He has comedic timing that you can't, recreate no uh it is unbelievable how good he is and he can still go he can still work but it's the ability that he has to do less to make you want more inside of the business and now because of that he is surpassing everybody in merchandise sales and really that's what it's all about dude what if you won the royal rumble be fantastic if he won the royal okay let's say you're our truth you win the royal rumble who do you challenge vince mcmahon <laughs> you know what i mean like you'd have to throw it like if he did like i don't want to see you completely destroy the company and like comedy wrestling if it's not done right can definitely hurt the business but right. i think that you could almost like you could get away with it with him 
I think you have to, you challenge Michael Cole for his spot and you put our truth yeah. behind the table. Or could you get away? And I, I was speaking to Randy Charpentier from Draws Draws Raw this morning after mm. all of this chaos. And I said to him, I'm like, hey, buddy, wouldn't it be cool if our truth did go on a win streak? But it was like the Jerry Lynn win streak where he just kept rolling guys up and getting these, right. like, he just got one over on you every single right. time. And it actually leads to him challenging for a title. I would love, this is the stuff, like, if you're going to run with this, you got to you gotta do something now. You have to take a detour while he's hot. You can't just be like, okay, let's revisit this six months down the road. No, 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 he's built. He's he's, he's in a position now where if you're going to do this with him, yeah. and it's going to be more than just merchandise sales, you need to do it now. Here's I don't know if it's so much the rumble, but you need to do something now. Well, I think they will because they're going to realize because the merchandise sales are kicking off and you, you milk that cow till it's, you know, dried up. Yep. Right. So this is, this is going to be a very good, again, a good 2024. Yeah. I'm excited. And now (laughs) moving on from, can we move away from professional wrestling for a minute? As much as I love it. And this is law of the law, the live audio wrestling. This is our show. We're primarily wrestling, but Toronto has an upcoming event yes, in the does. world of MMA, specifically well, the UFC. Mm-hmm. It does. And you know who is a former UFC star, Brady? Gaza Coleman. Ken Shamrock as well. He is. Ken Shamrock is a former UFC superstar. Mixed martial arts superstar, so to speak. What do you think Ken Shamrock is up to nowadays? Well, I'll tell you what Ken Shamrock is up to nowadays. What's he up to nowadays, Chris? He's doing interviews. Is he? He's doing interviews. And if you were asking yourself, where could I get a hold of Ken Shamrock to do an interview? You know where you'd get a hold of him? Where would I get a hold of him? Podstars.net. Oh, yeah. Podstars.net. Have you ever been there? Of course you have. Of course I have. I know Podstars.net very well. You Do you know Podstars.net? Podstars.net is the place that you want to go. If you want to interact with celebrities right now, they have got a line of musicians, athletes, writers, actors, influencers, you name it. It's all there at podstars.net and you get signed up. They hook you up. You pay a fee. They come onto your podcast. They do your interviews on your shows. It's a fantastic setup. You can't I, go wrong with it. I did an interview with a psychic and they predicted my future. And I'm telling you right now, it doesn't look good, but uh, I appreciate the knowledge. <laughs> so for those of you that are really looking uh, to up your podcast game, please go check out podstars.net. Tell them the law sent you. Nice. All nice. right. Now Ken Shamrock. So he's doing these interviews and he's working yeah. with people like Podstars. He's back signed mm-hmm. a deal with the UFC. Do you think we're going to see him this weekend during the presser and everything during the media events? Cause they do like a VIP meet and greets and all this stuff while they're in town. I, you know what? It'd be great if they did. It'd be great if they did, because here's the thing. It's definitely going to be something that is needed personally, because of the way that he performed on this past weekend. Uh, you know, we had the fights this past weekend with Ankalaev and Johnny Walker uh, part two. Uh, it didn't end yeah. so well for Johnny Walker. And the card was kind of a placeholder card for the year, so to speak, with one man, ladies and gentlemen. And if we're going to talk about guys like our truth 
and we're going to talk about Ken Shamrock, and we're going to talk about these guys that are still giving her, man, oh, man, my boy, Jim Miller. Ladies and gentlemen, would you look at this guy making his way so that he's going to end up fighting at UFC 300? I think he's going to end up fighting at UFC 400 if he he keeps fighting like he did last night. The guy's still a machine. Unbelievable. And he says the only thing that he wants is for to be at UFC 300 and for to have uh to have the old buffster introduce him as Jim Effin Miller. That's it. That's all he wants. His bucket him. is full. I love that guy so much. And he like he came in when it was the company was literally in the trenches. Yeah. Right. And he's still there. He's make he's made good money. His brother uh, was in and out by the time he even had, you know, like Jim Miller is a forever guy. I don't think there's going to be a day that you do not hear people saying, hey, Jim Miller's probably the best longevity fighter in the UFC history. Blake Weed is up there, too. But, you know, you got guys like if you ever say anything about Jim Miller, it better be good things. Yeah, period. That's it. Right. So, so so guys like Clay Guida, guys like Matt Brown, dudes mm -hmm. like these, these guys, like once they're gone, that's the whole era is over. It's crazy. So so respect the Millers while you have them. Crazy. Now moving forward. So this was just a build up to this event coming up on January 20th. Yeah. January 20th, UFC 297 coming to you from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Sean Strickland, Drakus Duplessis. Now, the co-main event on this, Raquel Pennington and uh, Maria Bueno Silva. That's an interesting fight. I mean, it it because there's no there's no title holder in that division right now. The women's bantamweight division has no champion because Amanda Nunes, she done gone off and retired. <laughs> she rode off into the sunset, said, see ya. I'm I'm she gone. She gone. She gone. And that's that. So let's do a quick little rundown of the prelims of see what UFC 297 has to offer. And let's see if there's anything that really kind of sticks out in your mind. And uh, go over this a little bit. Starting the whole thing off, you got a Canadian Jillian Robertson taking on Pollyanna Viana. Here's the thing that you're going to notice inside of these fights as, as we talk about this is that this isn't really a lot of like ranked opponent against ranked opponent in this, right? This is a hell of a fight for Canada. Jillian oh, yeah, Robertson right. representing, right? This is going to be one heck of a fight. But I mean, I think Jillian Robertson kind of just walks through this, to be honest with you. I think, I think she's going to take her down. Yeah, I think she's going to take her down, and that that's going to be that's that. Right? I think it's set up to have a cheering crowd in Toronto. Yeah. Then you've got a quick little like, okay, it's time to you you've you've settled in. You know, you're going to see a hell of a fight here in Sergey today and Ramon Tavares, but they don't even have pictures. Like, you know, <laughs> like, what are we doing here, this ladies is their and gentlemen? Official site here, guys. Is, right? Then we get into another nice, Canadian, nice. Jordan against Sean Woodson. Neither one of these. Here's the thing, Brady. Did you, Charles Jordan not ranked? No, he is not ranked in the featherweight division at all. But he is clearly the almost two to one uh, favorite in this. A five nine fighter taking on six six foot two. 
145 pounds. Sean Woodson is built like a wind chime, ladies and gentlemen. Dude, he's seven pounds heavier than what I'm walking around at now. I'm five foot five. And that's with your heels on. Yeah. Right. Hey, wait. I, this, this is this is one of those cards. You know, we've had these before where we were like, we said this where they had the fight in, see, I told you, where we had the fight uh, where it was setting up all of the Russian fighters. Yeah. You know, we had these fight. This is this is so far, you're setting up a couple of Canadian fighters to do very well on this card. And then we move on to another Canadian, Brad Katona, a guy, you know, just coming off of the Ultimate Fighter, the last season of the Ultimate Fighter as well, right? Against American Garrett Armfield. This fight should have Brad Katona winning this fight, setting up another Canadian. If you see what's happening here, ladies and gentlemen, go to the betting windows. Now, let's talk about this because this is really, I think, the only outside of the the main and the co-main event, this is the only fight on the card where both fighters are actually ranked. And if you can believe it, uh, Mosar Eloyev is ranked number nine in the featherweight division and Arnold Allen ranked number three. So this is a real chance for Evloyev to move up and for a chance for Arnold Allen to say, listen, I'm ready to fight for that belt. Arlen or uh, Arnold Allen has one of the craziest, most awkward stand-up games, yeah. but I do not think it is as awkward as it needs to be for someone like Mozart. I think this man is coming into his own. He is one of the top prospects over the past two years. Um, there, there's a lot of hype on Mozart or on Mozart, Mozart. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I don't think this is Ar Arnold's night. This is definitely a fight where you see a guy who's got an opportunity to take big jump in the rankings yeah. right now, right? So this, this, in my opinion, could very well be fight of the night. This is the first anxiety fight of the evening. 100% anxiety yep. fights. Yep. Then we Speaking move into anxiety fights. Let's go. Another Canadian, Marc-Andre Berriol taking on the champion's friend, Chris Curtis, Yep. right? Chris Curtis, 5'10", taken on six foot one. Mark Andre Burial, who another Canadian that they're looking to try to set up. But Chris Curtis is definitely no slouch. I hate know? to bet against the Canadian boy, but Chris Curtis is coming in with a mean streak. And he's got a chip on his shoulder. Their team is doing very well right now. They're training when you have teams, when you have teams that are able to train together like this and they click together, everybody stays on this cool groove. It's not like, okay, we've got this guy fighting at this time of year, this guy fighting seven months later. So, you know, there's no, this consistency you've got, especially because he's in the same weight class. So you've yeah. got these guys that are, that are seriously training hard with one another. And if anybody knows Sean Strickland, he likes to go hard in his training. He has probably sparred six times this morning. With the champion. <laughs> then we move on to another Canadian, Mike Malott, a 10-1 Canadian Mike Malott taking on Neil Magny. Neil Magny, who is a guy, again, 28-12. and 12. These guys have been through it all. This is definitely Mike Malott's uh, chance to shine yeah, on the biggest is, stage. This is no his coming out party if he wants it. Because we're talking about a guy, Mike Malott, not in the rankings. Neil Magny, number 13 in the rankings, mm -hmm. right? That was another thing in the fight before this, the Marc-Andre Burial, not ranked as well. 
these Canadians not getting any love. It's not like the old days when it was like George St. Pierre and every one of his friends were ranked. Nope. None of that. No more. Right. Yeah, where's, there's no where's, Patrick Cote to be, to throw on the middleweight rankings. You know, so it's, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. So then from there, from there, we move on. Such a crazy co-main. To the co-main. Raquel Pennington, 15 and 9. Raquel Pennington taking on 10 and 2. Maria Bueno Silva. These girls are a lot more evenly matched than you would think. Uh, Maria Bueno Silva coming off of her last fight was, I think, a disqualification um, fight. That was the Holly Holm fight, if I'm not mistaken. And then prior to that, right. three wins, three wins in a row. Raquel Pennington coming off of like four or five wins in a row as well. But we're trying to figure out who's going to take that spot, who's going to be the champion in that division, right? The number one ranked, this is the number two and number three ranked fighters in the women's bantamweight division for a title. This is for a title. The winner will walk out of this with the belt, apparently, because the number one girl is um, uh, Juliana Pena, who who knows if she's going to fight again or if she's just going to bitch about it or what the hell is going to happen. Right. She well, seems to do a very good job of staying relevant on it, but she's not fighting. So let's get this division going. In my opinion, if you're doing a parlay, leave this out. Yeah, because this leave one, this, this one, out. this one goes either way, in my opinion. Yes, I agree. Right. And even they've got they've got Raquel Pennington as the underdog right now at a plus 145 and Maria Bueno Silva at a minus 175. That's, That's going to That's yeah, going to see. You're going to see as you get closer to the day, that is definitely going to even out. And then that brings us to your main event of the evening. Mm, my brother, my In brother. Division, take, you know, Drikus Duplessis from South Africa. Yeah. At 20 and two taking yeah. on the, the who would have ever thunk champion in Sean Strickland. This is crazy. Uh, DDP is the number two guy and he gets a chance to go in there and smash with Sean Strickland. And there's heat going into this one. Well, there's a, so this, is a this is a well, rematch. This is a rematch. Yes. Yes. They already fought in the stands. I know where you're going with this, <laughs> but we already discussed that. If you go back and listen to the shows before you'll, you'll get my take on what I think that whole thing was because, you know, forearm shots to the meat of the the meat of the shoulder blades i mean come on now uh, we all know in the world of professional wrestling the best and easiest places to strike somebody is right in the meat of the back there well and speaking anyway. of which i guess spine shots are illegal now in the ufc brady where was brady, my I, memo okay i hate to tell you this bro <laughs> they've been illegal since they made the rules back in 2000 man i know i just don't like that anybody's still enforcing it <laughs> Well, listen, as long as we've still got that uh, 12 to 6 elbow going on, like I heard two warnings last night that says no elbowing to the spine. I was like, I'm texting Chris. I don't like this. <laughs> I don't like what they're doing here. Screw Stay out of that it, ref. Spine. <laughs> Stay out of it, ref. <laughs> Move along. If he dies, he dies. He, ah! dies, he dies. So I'm there. I'm. If you're in the Toronto area, or you're just in yeah. Canada, or you're in Buffalo, New York, whatever, get out to 
the Air Canada Centre, Scotiabank Centre, I guess they call it mm-hmm. now, here in Toronto. Go see the UFC this weekend. Sean Strickland needs all of your support because he might need bail money. Um, I know that I, <laughs> I know he's not on a pay-per-view buy thing, but if for some reason this pay-per-view goes through the roof, definitely I think next event Sean will be getting points. So, Well, listen, for lack of trying, they've definitely done a good job, the two of them have anyways, with you know the heat, so to speak, going into this fight. Can you predict a winner? Do you want to predict a winner? Let me ask that first. If you do, then here's give me here's I, I certainly can. And here's why. I predict that there will be and new Ooh. champion. Reason being is DDP hits very hard. And much like, much like former Canadian UFC superstar Elias Theodoro, DDP mm-hmm. is so ridiculously awkward. I don't know if Sean Strickland, who is a very linear stand-up boxing attitude fighter, I don't know if he's going to be able to figure out what's going on like yes he's going to plod forward but i think that the power and awkwardness of ddp is going to be a factor in this early on can i, now, I can i devil advocate you please i think sean just shuts it down the same way he did izzy's game i think eventually he just shuts it down well i think it's it, it's it's basics for a reason okay what are the reasons they work <laughs> That's what he. I know that sounds like a joke, but what he did to Izzy was he brought in a basic game plan. He used the mm-hmm. deep kick to keep him away, to keep the distance mm-hmm. that he wanted, and he just kept everything basic and to the point. One two, one two, one two, one two. If I think if he does that again to uh, Duplessis, I don't. I don't know if Duplessis is making it out of there, but I do. I inside of my heart. Uh huh. I would like to see it that go that way, but inside of my brain, I think you're right. I think Duplessis just throws some pretty awkward punches. I think there's some things that are going to get through that Philly shell. And I think within, by the end of round one, you're going to see a new champion. What inside of your heart makes you want to see Sean Strickland remain champion this year? Um, it's not even my love for Sean Strickland. Not, not that I do or don't, don't have one. It's that I think he draws money. I don't know okay. if he's drawn it yet, but I think the more momentum that he gets, there's more money coming with a guy like Sean because I think he's going to eventually get to the position where Jake Paul is, where people are going to want to see him get knocked the fuck out. It's interesting. It's interesting. Well, there is no more polarizing guy inside of the UFC right now than Sean Strickland. Yeah. So. For UFC 297 coming up as we get closer to this fight, man, if you haven't got tickets yet and you're inside of the area or you can travel to that area, make your way to it for sure because it's going to be – listen, on all of these cards, I've said this for so long, when you look at it on paper, if it doesn't look like the most amazing thing on paper, the fights are going to be better because they usually are because everybody works just a little bit harder, it seems like. 
Well, so, there's something I can guarantee heading into this weekend. You are going to see punches to the faces yes. and kicks to the head. Speaking uh, of kicks to the head, well, what do you got going on this week, my friend? Well, it looks like that we are going to sit down and have a conversation with one Chris Van Vliet. And if those of you that don't know who Chris is, well, welcome to the world for the first time in your life, because I don't know where you've been. Uh, Chris is probably the most overdued in all of professional wrestling right now that isn't a professional wrestler. People call him to get onto his shows, and he was kind enough to allow us to steal some of his time and sit down with me uh, for well over an hour and just talk about his story and things that he thinks about wrestling because he spent so much time on the other side asking the questions. I wanted to get his story out, and we do a really good job of that. So how about, Brady, we take a quick little break. We okay. come back, we're going to go right into that, and then, uh, you know, we'll see you I, afterwards. I'm just working towards, uh, you know, bringing in one of those Emmys and putting it on my shelf. I feel like every time that Chris wakes up and he's like, my shelf seems a bit empty, he goes out and gets another Emmy. So I'm so yeah. excited for this next hour. I can't wait. Let's do Dude, it. Dude, I couldn't even win myself an M and Emmys, okay? <laughs> Anyways. Are you in the market for a used vehicle for your family or business? North Toronto Auction hosts public auctions twice a month and everyone's invited. Hundreds of cars, trucks, SUVs, commercial vehicles and heavy equipment are available. Plus travel trailers, motorcycles, snowmobiles, ATVs and more. View the entire selection at NorthTorontoAuction.com. Bid online or bid in person. Bid on items from government agencies, financial companies, fleet managers, car dealers and public insiders. For more information, visit us online at NorthTorontoAuction.com. Hey, did you know that Saturday, February 24th, Destiny World Wrestling returns to Oshawa and the Children's Arena for Destiny's Reckless? Is that the event featuring the indie god himself, Matt Cardona? You bet it is. I heard he's not going to be there alone. I heard Steph Delander showing up. I heard Fighter Flight is showing up. Vanna Black, Tara Zep, Lince Dorado, and a whole bunch more. Man, you better get your tickets now. They're on sale at www.destinywrestling.ca. Don't miss out. Hit that subscribe button to get all the latest from the law, live audio wrestling. Now back to the show. It's that time again. You saw the intro. So that can only mean one thing. That can mean that it's time for me to sit down with somebody that just fascinates the hell out of me. And this week, it's going to be a man, a four-time. I don't even know how you win an Emmy for myself personally. That's just wacky to begin with. Uh, a man who comes from small-town upbringings live the life of a gypsy, if you ask me, because he's all over the place, to being one of the most prolific and outstanding people in his entire field. I'm talking about Chris Van Vliet. How are you doing? Thank you for joining me, my friend. Thank you for the very kind words, the lovely intro. And I say this all the time. I've never met a Chris that I don't like. So I, I expect that to continue after this one today. Don't challenge me. <laughs> Do not challenge me. <laughs> 
it's, it, it's funny, you know, it's one of the things that I wanted to set out when we started doing this again, um, originally started all of this way back when, and then went my way, did my thing. Now I'm starting again. One of the things that I wanted to do was be able to sit down with people who don't actually sometimes get a chance to tell their story. And you're a guy who sat back on the other side of that, that interviewing seat and that microphone asking all the questions for everybody else. You look you up in the, like Chris Van Fleet, Google news. It's your interviews. You're doing something with somebody else. You don't really get a chance to tell your story. So that's wow. what I want to do here. Who wants today. to hear from me, right? Come on. Well, I, every, Listen, you know as well as I do, everybody has a compelling story. It's all in how you tell it. And you're one of the greatest talkers out there right now. So I, I, I really appreciate that. Story. I've been in such a unique position throughout my entire career, whether it's pro wrestling or it's actors or it's comedians or directors, whatever it happens to be. I've been in a really unique position to be the conduit to help somebody else tell their story. And yeah, it's been really interesting the last, call it year or two or three, where the tables have turned a little bit. And there's a lot of people trying to figure out, first of all, who are you? Second of all, what's your story? How did you get to where you're at? And then there's a lot of people going, how can I do the thing that you're doing right now? So hopefully through conversations like this, people can realize really anybody can do anything. I'm not just talking about interviewing or podcasting or content creation. Anybody can do anything. It's just, are you willing to put in the work? Right, right. Do you feel... Do you feel like it's one of those, you know, cases you're like, you say it's happening over the last couple of years, but you've been at this for a long time. <laughs> like uh, you're no spring chicken anymore. I mean, I can say this because I'm older than dirt myself, but you've been at this, like your craft for a while now. Let's go back. Let's go back to the beginning, right? Because this is where I, I say the line about you being that quote, quote, I'm throwing them up there, air quotes, that gypsy lifestyle, because you traveled a lot from Pickering. Let me see if I got this. Let me see if I map this yeah. out right. Pickering, uh, job in Kitchener, right? Yeah. And school at Laurier. Yeah. Then job in Peterborough. Yeah. Checks TV. Then, then from Peterborough to Vancouver, yeah. Vancouver, back to Toronto, Toronto yes. to Cleveland, Cleveland to Florida. And then you do some, you know, you do some sit down with two horny chicks at a couch one day and the world <laughs> explodes for you. <laughs> I think that's it. I mean, that's, that's the whole thing in a nutshell. Thank you. Thank you. Come again. <laughs> at the heart of this entire story here is I was just chasing opportunities. I fell in love with broadcasting at a very young age, four years old. I remember distinctly, I had a Fisher Price radio. It had a microphone attached to it. And I would pretend to be the radio DJs that I heard on the radio. I would pretend to be the radio broadcasters. I remember Tom Cheek and Jerry Howarth calling Blue Jays games. And I remember sitting out in like the jungle gym we had in our backyard and sitting up high because that's where the Blue Jays broadcasters would be. And I'd pretend I was looking down. This is Blue Jays baseball on the air. That, that was who I was. And I fell in love with this idea of number one, storytelling, because I think that at the core of us as humans, that's all we have. We have the ability to tell stories and then that you know continues on through generations. But number two, I love the ability to help other people tell their stories. So fell in love with that very early. Went to school in Pickering, grew up in Pickering, but I went to Pine Ridge Secondary School. And I didn't know this at the time. I didn't know how important that communication studies class that I took in grade 10, 11, and 12 would be. 
But that really set the framework for a lot of the rest of my life. I had no idea what communication studies was, but I remember one of my friends being like, yeah, did you know that there's this class where you can make TV? And I'm like, hold on, what? That sounds like the easiest class ever. Like, sign me up for that. And I also love the idea of broadcasting and TV. But that was really where the framework began. The, the fact that we had this in our school. And I, I love the idea that if this one thing in your life doesn't happen, then maybe this other thing doesn't happen and you know, kind of goes along the way there. That's why Back to the Future is my favorite movie of all time. But kind of in a nutshell here, I was chasing these opportunities. I was a vice president of my student council, got to do the morning announcements in high school. And that was just like me presenting and always being able to be the host, the host of the talent show, the host of the fashion show. So I went to college for communication studies. Look at me using American terms. I went to university. I went to university, <laughs> went to Wilfrid Laurier University. I do it all the time. I do it all the time still. I yes. moved up here in 1988. I'm still like, what's the difference? College, university, same thing. Oh, but you know in Canada, there's a big difference, right? They, big difference. Very uppity about it. I yes. say things now, like I've, I've lived in the US now for 14 years. I'll say things now, like oh, I'm gonna take the trash out. And when my parents are visiting, my dad's like, you're gonna take that trash out? You mean you're gonna take the garbage out? I'm like, okay, dad. It's the stuff yeah. we're throwing out, it's the same thing. Yeah, exactly. But I, in college, I had this epiphany okay. in my, fourth year of university. I just, I didn't want to wake up and hate my job. I didn't want to wake up and go to a job that I didn't enjoy going to. So I just made it a goal that when I graduated, because that, that seemed like the scariest idea at that time, you're going to have to work for the rest of your life. And in that moment, I just decided I didn't want to hate my job. So I did everything I could in my power to try to find a job that I, at the very least, didn't hate. Maybe if I liked it, that'd be a bonus, but I just didn't want to hate it. Didn't want to not enjoy Sunday because Monday was the next day. And I reached out to every radio station and every TV station in Kitchener-Waterloo and just said, I'm passionate about broadcasting. I'm a communications major. Can I just come in, volunteer, see how it's done in the real world? That's where this began. So then it was just chasing these opportunities. I didn't, I didn't plan on working in Peterborough, but nobody was going to give me an internship. So I looked all over the internet for the general manager's email address of Checks TV in Peterborough, lied to him, told him I was going to be in Peterborough because it was spring break. It was reading week. And he's like, well, if you're going to be in town, sure, come on by. Talked them into giving me an internship, which then turned into a job, which then led to me being on TV as an intern in Peterborough. And the story just kind of went from there. And it was like, I was driving, what would it be, 100 kilometers, so 60 miles for our American friends, yeah. each way. Obviously, I'm making no money because it's an internship. I got my old job back at the Pickering Town Center, which is the mall. I was oh. working in the fish department of the pet store at PJ's Pet Center to pay for the gas to get to my internship. And it was just this idea of like, if you will give me an opportunity, I will do whatever I can to have that opportunity and then make the most of it. So that right there explains a lot more in itself. That right there explains to me how you were so easily uh, influenced to fall in love with the world of professional wrestling. Long travel, shitty roads, no <laughs> pay. <laughs> right? And look, I wanted to be a pro wrestler too. Like, Why? I I fell in love with wrestling at like 15. And obviously before that, I was aware of it, but didn't watch it a ton. But a friend got me into it when I was 15. Funny story, you know, this is 1998 or nine, I guess 98. You talked on the phone all the time in the 90s, right? That's what you did. 
And my friend who lived one town over, he's in Scarborough, our calls would abruptly come to an end Monday night at nine o'clock PM because Raw or Nitro was on. And one day I was just like, hey, we're not quite done talking here. I will put it on TSN. And at the commercial break, we can finish what we were talking about. And I just got sucked into it. It was Austin McMahon was the big storyline of the time. I remember seeing The Rock just oozing charisma. And I just fell in love. And I not only did I love watching it, I just loved the mannerisms. I loved the athleticism of it. And our friend had a trampoline in their backyard. And very quickly, <laughs> it was DDTs and rock bottoms and stone cold stunners on the trampoline, which then turned into us having our own backyard wrestling league on a, these tiny blue gymnasium mats. Yeah. And then that led to a few years later, me going to the squared circle in Toronto and training for a few months. But basically having, you know, I came to a fork in the road. It was the summer of, uh, I think it was my third year of college. And I came to a fork in the road. It was like, all right, do I continue with wrestling school and put all my eggs in that basket? Or do I continue with school school and put all my eggs in that basket and get my degree? And I was like, you know what? Wrestling will always be there. I'm going to finish my degree. And it's true. Wrestling has been there. And I've been able to be so fortunate to dip my toe in there every once in a while as a ring announcer or an inter interviewer or something like that. So bring me back first day of training, right? Was Fuego uh, the trainer? The I time? was in the beginner ring. Fuego, Fuego was there. And it's funny, like yep. Angelina Love was there. James Champagne was there. I was in the beginner's ring, which was being run by Ashley Six, who was just known as Ash at the time. Mm -hmm. And Chris Chambers was also in that ring. Yeah. And I feel like maybe it was just the, I wrestled in high school, like a amateur wrestler in high school. And obviously the backyard wrestling, which is not good at all, but I feel like I learned to bump kind of, so okay. I, I bumped fairly quickly. I ran the ropes fairly quickly locking up. I took two pretty quickly. So I feel like I was progressing fairly well, but I will never forget, forget Chris going home after maybe my second or third one and the welt I had right here oh, from, from running the ropes. My parents yes. were like, what are you doing? Yes, yes. Well, what you were doing was running the ropes wrong. Uh, that's absolutely how you get those welts on your side like that. Oh. It's, it's, but, but in all fairness, in all fairness, and you've watched enough wrestling to know this, that like, it's that old school of running the ropes, that, that Jerry Lynn mentality of when you hit the ropes and you kind of step down into it and grab that rope instead of nowadays where everybody's teaching you flat back, turn that back is perfectly flat up against those ropes. It saves those bruises mm. from happening. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's this, an evolution. Was it, was it different in 2002? Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. But the world was different too. You have to remember that, right? The, the entire the entire world was different. I was already yeah, 2002. Geez, I was already I was already a few years. I think I might have been under my first set of injuries. In Where the would I have seen you wrestle? Uh, boy, uh, I don't know. Did you ever go to any like uh, any of the, like the Ring and Ears shows? Maybe in Toronto. To, so AWF was my first introduction to indie wrestling. I had no idea indie wrestling mm -hmm. even existed until I went to Cactus Pete's and okay. I saw that whole experience. I remember going to the CNE because AWF was there. Yep. That was yep. my first introduction. I think uh, Blood, Sweat, and Ears was another one I went to pretty frequently. So prior to all of that, prior to all of that, there was a, a show called Ring and Ears uh, that the guys from a local band, a metal band called Bad Blood, and uh, along with their friend Bloody Bill Scullion, 
uh, had put these things together and they did like the first ones, like at the opera house in Toronto. And that's what spawned all of those, like the blood, sweat near stuff that the, the BSE guys and the squared was doing. Um, so I was, our, cause I, I started 90, uh, 97, 98. Okay. Broke in. So I was already like, uh, at that time, early two thousands, I was already traveling. Maybe HWF stuff was another organization that was running the hardcore wrestling federation usually yeah, yeah. Like london and whatnot they were bringing in they were doing a lot of like bigger shows like a couple thousand seaters oh, wow. or whatever in the arenas i you know? traveled to neo spirit and fighting spirit yep. in niagara quite a bit like i would convince my friends who weren't wrestling fans in university to drive with me to niagara to go to wrestling yeah. shows yeah yeah, yeah. I actually I work there as well. That's Neo, probably where I saw you then. Neo Spirit is actually back running again. Oh wow! Uh, owners, yeah. Jesse Scott is, is has started back up again. JT Player, they're running out of Niagara, as well. So it's I was it's, there for the thing. was there for the iconic Derek Wild Eric uh, Young match that everyone oh, the, the off of the billboard outside fiasco. I, I was the, the I don't know is that the ladder match the same one? Yeah. Yeah. You can see me in the background. I'm I'm like third or fourth row. You can see me when they're doing these insane things like a Death Valley driver off the ladder. And I'm in the background going, oh, <laughs> right, right. And everybody talks about, okay, so that leads my question. Everybody talks about nowadays with like the wrestling nowadays and how, oh my God, you look at it and it's, it, it, some of it is very like, you worry about the performers inside of the ring because of the stuff that the levels that they're doing. But you were going to shows where these were these were kids doing this stuff at the time, right? The same exact stuff, just to get noticed. Yeah. Right. It's so free slope, right? So for you, for you, even in the media aspect of things, right? There had to be a lot of stuff that you had to do just to try to get noticed. You end up on TV. Right. Talk to me a little bit about um, nine six nine and how that came about. So that was, uh, it ended up becoming MTV to Canada. I was there at the time. It was Razor, which was a sister station of Much Music. So we shared quite a lot of resources and quite a lot of stuff. But we were based in Vancouver. So that's another job I lied to get. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> I was at Checks TV for almost a year and a half. And it was great. I wore so many hats there and learned so many different aspects of the television industry. Like I think people only see the 30 seconds or minute that you're on TV as a news reporter, but in a small town, I was shooting all my stories, writing all my stories, editing with tape to tape editing machines, doing that, obviously producing all my stories, booking my own guests. And then I was anchoring the news on the weekend. So you're wearing all these hats, you're learning all these different aspects of it which gives you such an appreciation for everybody that yeah. works in a TV station. But I knew I wanted something more. I was 22 when I started that job, my first ever TV job. I wanted something more. And there was a job posting for 969, and it was basically a much music VJ, which if you grew up in Canada, that is the epitome. Like that is the ultimate hosting job for anybody like 18 to 30 or something like that. I had just gone to an open casting call for much more music. And I, I showed up there. There's hundreds of people there just trying to catch the eye of the producers. I'm filling out this super long form and I don't know where the security guy grabs me. And he's like, hey, come with me. And I'm like, oh man, like, what did I do? 
And he takes me to the back and they go, hey, we want to see the people we're really interested in first before getting to everybody else. So I had like, I kind of got pulled aside early. That kind of told me like I had what they were looking for. Got a call back. That didn't end up going anywhere, but it gave me the confidence to know that at least that's what they were looking for in that building. Like that's what they were looking for in the Much family. So when I saw this job posting for 969, I sent my stuff in. I faked a whole bunch of stuff too, by the way, because... Really? The stuff you're reporting on in Peterborough is not going to be the stuff that you're, you know, it's going to get sure. you noticed to host an entertainment show or be a VJ. So I would fake all of these stand-ups because I had access to all the camera equipment and the microphones. So after my shift, I would go out and I would fake like, hey, we're interviewing Sylvester Stallone. That's coming up next. Oh, we just saw this movie. That review is up next. So I was doing all this fake stuff. That obviously impressed them enough, but they were like, oh, we're not going to fly you in. I said, oh, it just so happens that I'm going to be there in Vancouver next Thursday. And they're like, oh, well, if you're going to be here, sure. Yeah, come by. And that, I think, that initiative that I showed uh, made them go, okay, th this guy not only is going to take the initiative, and they didn't know that I was faking all the videos, but taking the initiative. But then I impressed them, I guess, with the actual audition stuff. They ended up hiring me, and I packed up my Toyota Corolla and drove... 47 hours across the country and started my job in Vancouver. So that was really where I think that, so talk about getting noticed, that helped me to get noticed to get the job. Now I'm there and I just feel like I don't want to be lost in the shuffle here. Like I want right. people to notice me. There were four hosts in that show. I'm like, I don't want to get lost in the shuffle. So if you look at this, if you look at my interview with Bobby Lashley, this was my very first wrestling interview. It was January of 2007. I think I'd been at I'd been at this show for four months at that point. I wanted to do something to make myself stand out a little bit. So I had that stupid blonde patch in my hair. <laughs> and it's funny because that interview with Bobby Lashley is now something I've been tied to for a long time. And look, I put it out there. I'm super proud of the fact that that's where I began 17 years ago. But that blonde patch was like, I had it for like 10 or, 10 or 14 days, like a week and a half, two weeks max. Because I did it just to kind of go like, hey, Look at me, not like, look at my talent. Look how great these interviews are. Look how good of a host I am. It's like, just look at me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I remember going into work and my boss being like, Ooh, well, that's different. And then a few days later, she's like, Hey, when are you, um, when are you going in for another haircut? And I'm like, I don't know. just got this one. So uh, a month or so she's like, yeah, you should probably go in like soon. <laughs> And that was, the, that was the end of my blonde patch, but I did a handful of segments and some of them, you know, still live on. But I think the idea, I, I think the thing I learned from that is your work should be what makes you stand out. Not the fact that you're wearing silly shoes or a funny t-shirt, which I did wear a lot of funny t-shirts or you have a stupid haircut, but I, I just became a fan of like, let the work speak for itself. That's not always, you know, as well as I do, though, that's not always the case for a lot of people, you know, and that's whole, you can't really argue with the, with the guys that go out there and do the fake it till you make it thing. I mean, especially if you lied on your virtual resume, two jobs in a row. Right. But, but it points more to the hustle of it. Right. And isn't that really what it comes down to is like your ability, you specifically, your ability to hustle is really been the quote, quote, again, overnight success of all of it, a 15 year overnight success and the amount of hustle um, 
So 969 turns into MTV2. They get rid of it. And you're like, oh, what do I do now? Yeah. Y, YTV's not hiring. Where, where do I go? Do I go? Did you say to yourself, I got to go home? What happened? I remember that day like vividly because that was my dream job, right? Like to go from small town in Peterborough reporting on like literally like a new stop sign to be on a national show and interviewing the biggest stars on the planet. Right. And I remember we, we were going to have a change of ownership. So we were owned by Chum at the time. CTV was going to buy us. All we were thinking of is like, are we getting a new studio? Like, are we moving to the new CTV studio? <laughs> this is going to be great. And I remember my boss coming in one day and she's like, hey, everybody stop what you're doing. Yeah, our show just got canceled. And we're like, oh, like what, what now? And I had been there at that point for 11 months. And I remember my lease was up for renewal four days from that point. So I had to decide in four days, do I renew my lease in my apartment for another year? Or do I pack up my car <laughs> and drive home, move back in with my parents and try to figure things out again? And that's what I decided to do. And this is the part of the story that I don't talk about a lot, but I think it's so important to realize this. I was unemployed then for seven months. So I just had my dream job and I'm now at this point, 24 years old and it's been taken away. Yeah. And it's also been taken away from everybody else that worked on that show. So I went home, lived with my parents and was basically just made it my job to look for another job. And I was looking at job sites all the time. And that's where I ended up like becoming a background actor in the love guru with Mike Myers. Cause I'm like, I got nothing else going on. Let's just fill my time with something. And if I finally ended up getting an audition that turned into a job at Inside Jam, Sun TV in Toronto. And I mean, that was just leveling up once again. I'm covering the Toronto International Film Festival. I'm traveling to do interviews. It was just the idea of like putting in that hustle and being willing to, look, if somebody gives me just a tiny little bit of an opportunity, I'm gonna make the best of it. And yeah, that was, that was really what that was all about. And then, and then Sun TV, I mean, we all know what happened with Sun TV, right? And you go on there because you end up getting a job offer. Did they come to you? Did, did, did Cleveland come looking for you? And how is it that how is it that Cleveland can still go as one of the most underrated cities in ah. all of North America? Cleveland is so fantastic. I love Cleveland so much. <laughs> It's, 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 and there's so many things that you find out about in casual conversation from other people about Cleveland, but it doesn't, it's not ranked up there with your LA's and your New York's and your Vegas and your Miami and these types of places. How do you end up in, you know, is it small market Ohio? No, that's, that's a, like, it's a top market, 20 market. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I think at the time it was market 17. So this is a did big you, Did jump. you lie to, did, did, at this point, you don't have to lie anymore. You've got two decent, you know. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't have to lie to get that one. Yeah, that felt good. Yeah. <laughs> so I had auditioned for so many jobs in the US. I just felt like in Canada, if you want to be a TV host or you want to be an entertainment reporter, and you're, if your name's not Ben Mulroney or if your name's not Rick Campanelli, Devin Soltendeek, there, there's not a lot of jobs. So Unless those George Strombolopoulos did okay. Yeah, I oh, love George. I mean, George is a huge inspiration for the way that I do my interviews now. Just so conversational. I have a ton of respect for George. That's but, where we start. Oh, wow. Wow. Right. The, so the live, audio, me, live audio wrestling started with 
with George. Wow. Virtually, virtually Canadian on an internet radio thing before it ever went to fan or any of that kind of stuff. Right. Wow. So he upgraded as well. So <laughs> yeah. sorry. sorry yeah, he's living in LA here right now. Yeah. So I was having just a lot of auditions. I, I had an agent at that time who was based in LA, which I did lie to get by the way. That was another one of those like, oh, I'll be in town. Like, I'd love to meet with you. And they were like, oh yeah, sure. And I just ended up making a random trip to LA. They ended up signing me to the agency. I auditioned for like everything or I did. I either auditioned or met with like extra access, Hollywood entertainment tonight. Remember when the X factor was a TV show. I auditioned for that. I auditioned to be one of the hosts of TRL on MTV. I remember driving into times square, doing the audition in the TRL studios. It was between me and one other dude. And they ended up canceling the show a few weeks later. They were like, ah, you know, we're just going to wrap this thing up. So that would have been cool. It was, Obviously, Carson Daly and then Damian Fahey was the host, I believe, after that. And then they ended up canceling the show. So I had all these American auditions. And then my agent said, look, this isn't a national show, but it's going to be a great opportunity. And if things go well, obviously, you'll, you'll get a, a visa out of this. How would you like to be an entertainment reporter for CBS in Cleveland? And I'm like, yeah, of course, I'm open to the idea. And my dad and I go to a different baseball stadium every year. It's a, tr a tradition we've been doing for 22 years now. And we just had randomly, coincidentally, had gone to Cleveland that previous summer. So I'd already been there and already fallen in love with the city. And here I am now getting the audition that ended up turning into a job. So my agent found that job. I was in Cleveland for five years. That's where I won the four Emmys that I have now. It's where I also covered the Grammys and covered the Oscars got to cover the Cannes Film Festival in the south of France, like amazing, incredible opportunities. And that's also where my wrestling YouTube channel really started to take off. Because every time WWE would be in town or every time TNA would be in town, they'd come by and they'd do a quick interview to promo like, hey, tickets are on sale, you can grab them for 20 bucks. I would then pull aside Jeff Hardy or Jeff Jarrett or Alberto Del Rio or whoever it happened to be, The Miz, Dolph Ziggler, and I would ask them all the questions that I genuinely wanted to know the answer to as a fan. And obviously that was way too niche to put on TV. So I would just upload that to my YouTube channel just so other wrestling fans could appreciate it. And some of that stuff just started taking off, man. Like it was crazy to see, like there was a, an interview I did with The Miz before he threw out the first pitch at the Indians game when they were still called the Indians. And he was talking about like, it just randomly said like, oh, I got concussed in my WrestleMania 27 match. I didn't even think about it, but that became a headline. Then he said something about CM Punk's pipe bomb. And he's like, this is the most exciting time in wrestling since the Attitude Era. That became a headline. And I'm like, wait a second, there's something here. So what yeah. if I could kind of go out of my way a little bit? What, what happens when the local independent promotion's bringing in a big name or a legend that you've heard of? What if I could go do an interview with them? Boom, there's another piece of content. And that's kind of just where I, my brain started going. Like, can I just grab this stuff? I have the access through working for this TV station. Can I grab this stuff selfishly uh, and put it on my own YouTube channel? Did, when, when did you do everything yourself? Like oh, out the gate yeah. with your YouTube oh, channel, yeah. like all the, all the editing, all the, you know, all of it? All of it. And, this, this was my camera for the longest time, an iPhone. Sometimes I would get my friends who were wrestling fans to just hold it, like literally just hold my iPhone that had a plug going into the bottom that connected to a microphone. But yeah, I was editing everything. 
I learned how to edit like when I was a teenager and I edited up until about two years ago when I was so fortunate and grateful to be in the position where I could help out other creators who have a better skill set in editing than I do and bring them on board and then they can help, you know, live their creator dream. And now, and now you're, now you're the head of this monster. <laughs> I don't know about that. This, this, this dragon, so to speak, that just seems to be getting more and more steam as it goes. Right. It's, it's crazy, dude. I love it. I think it's fantastic. It's, it's been wild. Like it's when you look at the numbers and you like, look at like, oh, those are like people like right. watching this and consuming this and a lot of them subscribing or clicking like or leaving a comment like, yeah, that's pretty crazy. Cause at the heart of this, I'm a broadcaster, of course, but I'm also a wrestling fan. So how do you, how do you stay out of your own head though? You know what I mean? With, oh, with I, all of it. Like how, what is, what's, what's the trick? What's the key for you? Right. Uh, uh, to avoid, because you know, as well as I do, the amount of, the amount of negativity that comes along with success, right? Negativity of people throwing it at you, it can be dissuading sometimes, right? I think I just gotta remember to be in the moment, whether it's this interview here, whether it's the interview I did the other day with L.A. Knight, yeah. It's just being in the moment and remembering this is just a conversation. And then, yeah, we're gonna make some content out of this, but be in that moment and then it's, on to the next one and then it's on to the next one after that like i'm putting out two interviews a week every week and my whole thing is if i make the agreement with my audience that i will show up every tuesday and thursday with new content that i'm hoping that my audience also shows up every tuesday and thursday as part of that agreement but i think the idea is just like i i know who i am and i know where i came from and i know why i'm in the position that i'm in here right now and i am so incredibly grateful for that. And you, you know, you hear me say the word grateful a lot if you listen to my podcast. And that's not just a buzzword. It's not just a catchphrase. Right. That is like truly the game-changing thing in my life is realizing the things I have in my life that I can be thankful for. And it's so easy to look at the things you don't have. It's so easy to focus on the negative things in your life, but it's also so easy at the same time to focus on the positive and focus on what you do have. So that's been the anchor for me that's kind of been the guiding light is just like gratitude for every situation that i have and that's why i truly do wake up every day and before i go to bed i say out loud three things i'm grateful for that's spoken like a true pretty person <laughs> <laughs> so so let me ask you this then you have a you have a a a, a a moment with AEW. Yeah. Is it true? And I'm going to start the rumor if it's not. Is oh, it boy. True, is it true that you hate RJ City for taking your spot? Oh, yeah. A lot of heat with RJ City. Yeah. <laughs> RJ City. Isn't RJ City fantastic? Like, yeah. I've known RJ for pff, probably 15 years. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing seeing him play this character which isn't even really a character which is just him turned up to a thousand not eleven a thousand i i love it so much yeah you can go if you go back like rj did 
RJ was kind enough to do the first episode when we brought this. Oh, show. wow. Right. So I like, guess I've known RJ and we talk about it being in a car with him while he's eating a whole green pepper, driving the two of us to a show that we got to work on. So we're just <laughs> this weird quirkiness as we're both talking about Mel Torme and I'm like, you know, 15 years older than him. And it's just this, is this guy for real? And you learn over the years that that's, that's him. And that's that what makes a, him so great. That's a fantastic right? RJ City story, by the way. <laughs> it's so true. I, mean, look, like, I can yeah. never do what he does. Like the way that he does the interviews on, you know, on AEW, I could never do that. Like he, right. and I don't think anybody can do it. And that's why he's so good at what he does. I don't even think he knows that he can do it. He's been, he's, he's, he's molded himself into this human. It's not a character. That's him as a human and that's the great thing yeah My question to you is the amount of people you've interviewed 37 million different wrestlers who are very very prone you know as well as i do to try to keep a line between media and the business right uh, so have you ever had workers have you ever had workers try to stay in character the entire interview Yes. And I've also had a lot where they're kind of blending the two and you're not sure, like you ask them a question and they give you a kayfabe answer and you're like, well, that's going to end up being a quote now. And people aren't going to know if like you, the person said it or you, the character right. said it. But I think that some of them lead themselves to be like, some of them have to be in character. Like the first interview I did with MJF, which was 2019, I think it had to be in character that time. Like it made a lot of sense and it added to the allure of what he was doing. Like that one made a lot of sense. I did one with Rosemary where she was in character the whole time. I did one with Broken Matt Hardy where he was in character the whole time. And I think that that like really lends itself to like, oh, this isn't just on, on TV. This is like all the time. Like is Matt Hardy truly broken? Like I right. even thought that when I'm holding the microphone and off the top of his head, he's coming up with this insane stuff. But then on the flip side, I think uh, fans get like upset. Like I did one with Dan Housen out of character before he signed with AEW and people were like, oh, I, I can't believe this. Like this ruins the whole allure for me. It's like, no, this should make you appreciate it even more that he's able to be this calm and this normal and this intelligent. And then the flick of a switch, turn it on and become Dan Housen. Why is it? Because you're exactly right. So why is it that that wrestling fans can never be happy <laughs> oh, <laughs> as I, even, even as, even as performers and the, but the fan side, we can, we're, we're always complaining about something. Right. But, but to the point to where there's too much negativity. And I know that you've, you've spoke on this before in the past in, yeah. in views that there is so much negativity in the wrestling industry, but it's, is it a case of like, is it eating itself? You know what I mean? Yeah, I I think I can just chalk it up to this is fandom. Like the negativity in wrestling is not unique. It's the same fan, you know, you'd see that same fandom if you're a really big fan of an NFL team or if you're a really big fan of Marvel. You see this same like negativity of like, yeah, of course there's some great stuff, but well, this exact, uh, I can't believe they used this uh, this source here at the one one hour and 14 minute mark of the movie. Like there's this weird negativity of like, I guess just being on the inside. And I'm sure this has always existed, but 
the internet has cer certainly put a magnifying glass on it because it's given everybody a voice. And that's the interesting thing about the internet is everybody's voice is kind of level. Like everybody has a voice on there and with enough retweets or with enough shares, your voice can be amplified. So it's this idea of like everybody has a voice, which is fantastic. So the best part about that is everybody has a voice. Well, the worst part about that is also everybody has a voice. Yeah. So I don't think this is unique to wrestling, but there was enough negativity in wrestling that I just don't really want to play in, in that court. And that's that's just me. There's enough of it out there. If if that's what you're into, there's a thousand podcasts. If you want to just you know, misery love com loves company. So if you want to listen to a negative podcast about wrestling, go find one. I would just rather focus on on the great stuff. And it, it really seems to be like I get you 100. It's it seems to be difficult to do sometimes unless you really make a conscious effort to do so. Like one of the things that Brady and I have always, we've talked about this entire time is like, no matter what the situation is we're talking about, no matter what the story on TV is that we're talking about, no matter the company that we're talking about, there's an unwritten, like, well, it's a written rule with me anyways, is you never ever crap on the boys and girls. Mm -hmm. They're performers out there doing their damnedest to entertain somebody while living their dream. Mm. So the last thing that they really need to, you know, be listening to or any kind of, how are you helping anybody if you are just constantly degrading or constantly trying to find something to nitpick about? You know what I mean? Wrestling fans are so incredibly impatient. Like they yeah. will see something happen on Monday or Wednesday mm -hmm. or Friday or whatever day of the week you're watching wrestling. And they will take that thing in itself as like a microcosm and they'll just look at that exact moment and they don't zoom out a little bit to go, well, what does this mean for next week or the week after or the pay-per-view slash PLE down the line? They just look at it in that moment and go, this is stupid. I hate it so much. And then a week or two later, you're like, oh, well, actually that wasn't so bad. Right. Like all you need to do is just be a little bit patient. Then yeah. at the end of the day, we need to remember it's really just pro wrestling. It's all when was, entertainment. When I was working at Sun TV, okay, and I'm not trying to make this like morbid, but I remember my grandmother died and I just started my job there and we had a lot going on and it was like red carpets coming up, but you know, obviously the funeral was happening. For sure, I wanted to be there, but I was also like saying to my boss, like, all right, well, how are we going to account for like, I got that interviews coming up and then we got the red carpet and the screening. He goes, hey, Chris, Chris, hold, s stop, okay? It's just F and TV. And I went, oh, wow. And the message in that was there is so much more to life than just this. Whether that's TV or whether that's pro wrestling, there's so much more to life. And you just need to like widen your scope out just a little bit. And I will never forget Paul Schmidt, my boss at that time, saying that to me. It's just, it's just TV. And it's like, oh, wow, there is so much there are so many more important things in life than just that. Do you feel that some of it has to do with the fact, do you feel like we live in a quote unquote TikTok world now? The, the, the consumption time for people is shorter than ever because it's fed to them shorter than ever. Everything is about buzz clips and, and, and just little tiny moments. And you know what I mean? And everybody's, 
on their phone, staring at a screen, bringing all of this in. I'm hoping that they do it with this show. Uh, but you understand what I'm saying? Like we yeah. live, we've, we've been trained, so to speak, to live in this kind of an atmosphere. So now it's expected. Yeah, it's cer we're certainly living in a different time. And I would hate to think what the Attitude Era, the Monday Night Wars would have looked like had we had the internet that we have now existing then. Like we had the internet kind of in the late 90s, but not like this. But it's, it is fascinating to me that like headlines aren't headlines anymore. Like right. there are these weird things that are trying to get you to click on their video and or click on their story. And that's interesting. And I think what's also, you know, kind of the downside of that is people will just see the headline and they won't click on the story or they won't read the story. And then their entire basis for that person and that news story is literally just the nine words they read in a headline. Yeah. I, I think that that is certainly something that exists for people that spend a lot of time online. There's also a whole group of people that don't spend a ton of time online and none of this really affects them. Right. Right. Have you ever had it happen where somebody has, taken something that you put out there so far out of context that you almost felt like you had to apologize for it? I mean, this happened, I feel like almost every interview because I'm putting out these interviews that I'm aware are going to generate news stories. And it's just a matter of like, well, if everybody has the same headline, why would anybody click on this news source versus the other news source? So yeah, the way that words are twisted or the quotes that are taken out of context, yeah, there's nothing I can do about it. And I don't think, I understand it's just part of the game. There's never anyone I've had to apologize to, but I do remember one specifically where we did this interview. It was an hour long interview and there was like a sentence or two that was taken out of context and that became the whole news story. And that talent actually like reached out to all the news sources and said, hey, could you listen to the rest of the interview or the at least the rest of that quote to fully understand what I was saying here because the way you've written it, well, that's wrong. Wow, that's the original retweet then. <laughs> you put it out there and then they had to go back and retweet it for you. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a wild time we're living in right, right? now. I, could, it, I, I, I went to school for communications and took yeah. a journalism class there and I get referred to as a journalist a lot. I don't know if that is an accurate description of who or what I am, but sure, you can call me whatever you want. But it used to be about getting it right. Okay. And now a lot of journalism, this isn't just limited to wrestling. This is all news across the board. It's just about being first. And if you're not right, that's okay. We'll figure it out on the back end. And it's like, that's so twisted. The idea is it, it, you could put out a story that you don't even know is true. And then you'll just fix it in another story if you got it wrong. Yeah. Oops. Sorry. Wild, <laughs> wild stuff, right? If you don't, if you don't look at yourself as a journalist though, what do you consider yourself? I'm a broadcaster and I'm a podcast host. I'm an entertainment reporter for when I'm doing entertainment interviews or I'm on a red carpet, but I'm not the one breaking stories. Like there's so many people in the wrestling space that are so good at that. They've been doing it for years and years and years. I'm not the one telling you when someone's contract is up, or I'm not telling you a rumor about who's going to sign here or return here. That's not me. I have conversations with people that probably end up leading to news being broken out of them, but I'm not, I'm not trying to dig for news stories. I'm trying to have a conversation with someone who I 
respect a ton. Someone who's at the top of their game, and I'm trying to figure out how did you get there so yeah. I can selfishly take some of those components and apply them to my own life without having to lie about it. Without having to lie about it. Yeah, no one would. <laughs> no one would call Joe Rogan or Dak Shepard. I'm trying to think of some other Stephen Bartlett, all these other podcasters, no one would call them journalists. They're podcast hosts, they're broadcasters. And I, I feel like I play so much more in, in that realm. It's so crazy because it's all happened in such a, such a short period of time too, if you think about it. Like the internet really hasn't been around long enough for all of this, you know what I mean? Like, and, oh, and, yeah. and it seems like it's blown up. When this yeah, show we're, first started, we're in the infancy of it too. Like, just think about how much has changed just in the last ten years. Or like, yeah, we got internet in my house in 1996, and I, I remember like how it was a wild, wild west then. It's yeah, I feel like we're really, we're really learning now, like what what is possible with this, and it's changing all the time. Still, it's just like wrestling. It's just, it's just like. like it all comes back to wrestling. See what I'm saying? And these are conversations that I've had with people before about how like wrestling and life have so just so many parallels about how you can conduct yourself in situations. You find yourselves in, in wrestling inside of matches and stories and stuff like that. And you try to conduct yourself how you would in real life. It's, it's, it's crazy to think that there's that many parallels. You know what I mean? Because it's, I, again, it's just pro wrestling. And like somebody, it, it's all bullshit, Chris. Have you, all seen, bullshit. have you seen Eric Bischoff's Ted talk? It's yes. fascinating. Cause it's this exact point of like wrestling is everywhere. Wrestling is in our lives all the time, whether you notice it or not. Yeah. So much so that I, for the longest time, like when my wife and I first got together, I was already wrestling and stuff like that. So my vernacular was already very locker room. You know, I would refer to my house as the office. You refer to, you know what I mean? All the, all the little things you're, she's, she looked at me like, what, what, what do, you, do you even know real words anymore? What are you saying? My favorites when wrestlers call everything a gimmick. Everything is a gimmick. Chris, uh, don't grab that gimmick over there for me. What are you referring to? Yes. The hat? Oh, sure. I'll grab the hat for you. One of the greatest days in my life was when it was repeated back to me from my life. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, let me ask you this. You've, with all of the people that you've seen and you've seen the crossover, like, because you've interviewed pro wrestlers, you've interviewed uh, uh, celebrities, you've interviewed musicians, you've interviewed a who's who out there. In the world of professional wrestling, though, we all know who the big three are that have been the most successful, who've been able to cross over. Yeah. Right. Between that, um, that line between pro wrestler becoming movie star, entertainment star, so to speak, even. And we're talking about The Rock. We're talking about John Cena. We're talking about Batista. And I know that you've said this before, where you've said that you have to, you have to be willing to give up that part of your life to dedicate it just like with anything else. Absolutely. Because the craft is so challenging and it takes so much of you. But you've seen and talked to enough people inside of pro professional wrestling, and you know how to read people when you're talking to them. Is there anybody out there that stands out that you're looking at them going, man, I can't wait until you're done being a professional wrestler to get into acting? 
What's really interesting about this question is I feel like we could have seen it with Cena. I feel like we the writing was on the wall with The Rock. I don't think anybody expected that from Dave Batista. Nope. And it's just amazing seeing the run that he's having. And the reason that I said you've got to go all in if you want to be an actor is because yeah. that's something that Dave told me. It was this idea of like he didn't want to play like in both worlds. And it was an it was advice The Rock gave him like if you put one foot in the wrestling world, it's like quicksand and it sucks you back in with the crowd reactions and just the week to week, the grind of it. So Dave, if you remember, if you can think far enough back, he went all the way into the acting world and it didn't really work out for him. And he just kind of kept going. And there were a lot, you know, a lot of little things along the way, Blade Runner and the James Bond movie Spectre. But it wasn't until he got Gardens of the Galaxy that it was like, oh, Dave Batista has arrived. And I remember him like telling this great story of like, he was broke and then he got that job. And I think that's really hard for people to hear that Dave Batista, world famous wrestler was broke and then got that job in the Marvel universe and changed his life and he's become who he is now. So I think it could happen to anybody. I think it could happen to like some pretty unassuming people if they're willing to say, I'm done with wrestling and now I'm ready to move on to this other thing. I, I will name a name here for you. I'm so interested to see what MJF has in store. Sure. Because we've seen with his promos that he's willing to go there. He's willing to like really dive deep into this. And I know that he had some opportunities in the Iron Claw and some of those scenes were cut. So you can't really see his acting chops uh, at work in the Iron Claw. But I feel like we're getting a taste of that with some of these promos and some of the work that he's doing. I almost feel like the work he's doing in AEW is just like a demo reel for Hollywood because he's only you know 27 years old. So I could see MJF at, call it 35, with 15 years of wrestling going, yeah, I'm really happy with the career I've had and the multiple championships that I've had. I'm ready to go do another thing. And I know that when he was here in LA at the Iron Claw premiere, he wasn't just at the Iron Claw premiere, like he made the most of his time while he was here, taking meetings and figuring some stuff out. So. I'm really curious to see what he does because MJF, the character we see on AEW, is just a character. Max is so incredibly talented and I can't wait to see what this spins off into. Whether that is Hollywood or whether that's you know a really long wrestling career, I don't know, but he's very, very good at what he does. Do you think, do you think that wrestling in cinema gets the credit that it deserves. And I know that because we talk about like, there's always, there's been movies like you go back to like the wrestler, or you talk about a lot of wrestlers in movies, like still to this day, you know, I hot take, Chris, I'm not a huge fan of the Highlander. You know what I mean? The movie, okay. I get it. It's cool. Yeah. But I'll tell you this, the opening scene with the free birds in the yeah. ring, gets me every single time brother <laughs> <laughs> right i think wrestling is just such an interesting like niche right it's, it's a niche like a hyper niche so yeah. if you're in it you get it and you appreciate it if you're not you just go oh hey that's wrestling in the same way that i don't know i look at monster jam like oh wow those are really big trucks with big wheels and they crush cars that's cool i'm not in that world i don't know the names of the trucks the drivers i don't understand that world but i go I can respect that. I can appreciate that. And I kind of think that that's what wrestling is. Like wrestling fans obviously love the Iron Claw for good reason. Non-wrestling fans 
also love the Iron Claw for very good reason, but they're looking at it through a different lens. So you mentioned The Wrestler. I think that that's not just a great wrestling movie. That's just a fantastic movie, like nominated for two Academy Awards. I've, I've, I told Mickey Rourke this when I sat down with him just after the Oscars. I'm like, you, my friend, were robbed. You were robbed. You should have won that Oscar. And he's like, oh, thank you so much. So I just think it's it's a very difficult task to make pro wrestling appeal to a non-wrestling fan. And I feel like they've done that really well with the Iron Claw, the wrestler, Young Rock, Glow. Like, I feel like they're really good at figuring that out. And, and I mean, let's face it, Mickey Work was busy telling the story of five different people <laughs> all at once as that character. You know what I mean? So, man, that movie's so good. I got to rewatch that. He was so good in that. Yeah. Yeah. Every I feel he was put on this earth to play Randy the Ram. Right. <laughs> yeah. It was that. And, and it's sad because there can never be a part two. You know what I mean? Spoiler <laughs> alert, everybody. <laughs> Listen, it's over 24 it's been, hours. Yeah, it's been a long time. <laughs> right. Um, we talk about there's a lot of there's a lot of talk about going on nowadays about like the evolution of what wrestling is. And because we, we talk about the iron claw and how that has made a surgeons, but it's a story about a different time in professional wrestling, a much different time in professional wrestling. And we've gone through the attitude era and we're in the stage of wrestling now you know some have called it the the disney era of of professional wrestling because that's who they're marketing to but we're talking always about a different evolution of the world of professional wrestling do you think that there isn't as an idea where all of these companies because we've heard rumors and we've heard talk recently about like with endeavor and WWE and UFC and the TKO thing. And now TNA signing over their stuff to uh, their streaming services to Endeavor uh, streaming services. AEW still a very fledgling company five years in still. That's nothing in the world of professional wrestling. Do you think that the evolution is where it's all under one umbrella? Everybody's still able to coexist and do their thing, but it's all under one umbrella. No, I don't think so. Because competition has made this era what it is now. Because before AEW came around, WWE was the big dog in town. They, they could do kind of whatever they wanted. If they couldn't offer you the money, or if they offer you the money that you didn't want, what were you going to do? Say no? There wasn't really anywhere else to go and really earn that same living. So I think competition is the best thing that has happened to pro wrestling. That's why the Attitude Era was so great. That's why this era, whatever we're calling this era, is so great. And I think that we're gonna look back on 2023, and there was a ton of amazing stories, right? Like so many huge stories. I think a lot of people obviously point to the CM Punk, <laughs> how it ended in AEW, which was 2023, and how it began or started again in WWE as the biggest story in 2023. But really the biggest story, when we look back on this 10, 15, 20 years from now, is going to be the Endeavor deal. Because what, what's, what UFC has been able to do in the last, call it 10 or so, 15 or so years, is make UFC mainstream. And I feel like WWE is already mainstream. And I feel like with this engine behind it, with this gasoline being poured on this fire behind it, 
WWE is going to continue in that trend, which is going to, the rising tide is going to lift all boats of pro wrestling along that trend. So the stadium shows that WWE has been doing, the co-branding deals that they've been doing, the fact that uh, all of their shows are smashing all of these records, I feel like that trend is just going to keep continuing with this Endeavor vehicle, this TKO vehicle behind it. I, I And I, you know, maybe I'm wrong because this is obviously people much higher and much smarter than myself, <clears throat> but you almost have to believe that a lot of this that the UFC is learning with themselves right now is because they're getting familiar a lot more and a lot closer and, you know, for lack of a better term, in bed with WWE. It's that kind of a model. It's that pro wrestling model oh, that yeah. has worked so well, but it's oh, worked. Yeah. It's worked for WWE. It doesn't work for everybody. It seems like, right? Because we've seen companies, we've seen other companies come and try and fail miserably, right? AEW has been around for five years now. They just celebrated their five year. Do you think that they? Because a lot of people fail to remember that. Do you think that they take a lot of unnecessarily and unwarranted criticism because we immediately as fans put them up on such a high pedestal right out the gate with them? Yeah, I think a lot of people are comparing it like it's apples to apples. And right. I just, I don't know if that's a fair comparison. Uh, you know, you're comparing a company that's been around for decades and decades and decades to a company that started five years ago, went through a global pandemic, and now they're on the other side of it. So I don't think it's a fair comparison. I, I'd like to say that if you like AEW, like AEW, watch AEW. If you like WWE, you should watch WWE. But at the end of the day, we're pro wrestling fans. And I think that that's the thing that we should be focusing on. You like what you like. And if you like something, Chris, that's different from what I like, that's quite all right. It doesn't mean you need to hate the other thing just because you don't like it. And that's the right. thing that I don't understand about all is of there, this. Is there a type of pro wrestling out there that you don't like? Not really. I mean, I, I like the buffet. Uh, yeah. I, I like I went to King of the Death match put on by Circle Six last week. Fantastic. I'm going to TNA in Las Vegas this weekend. Fantastic. I'm going to be at Royal Rumble at the end of the month, WWE. Fantastic. Next time AEW is in town. Well, they were just here in Ontario, California. I was there. Fantastic. I love it all. I love yeah. it all. And I wish that more people could be like that. I, I wish that more people could understand it uh, for what it is, you know, and, and the fact that there's so many subgenres, right, to allow it. It's like music now. It's like it's like metal. It's like rock. There's so many of these little subgenres of of wrestling that it's opened it up for a lot more inclusivity. Wrestling has brought more people together I think now than it has driven them apart. Oh man, and the best thing about pro wrestling it's that moment in Step Brothers that you have with somebody else. They're wearing a wrestling shirt or you find out that your coworker likes wrestling and you're like <gasps> Did we just become best friends? Yep. <laughs> like right? that's the great thing about wrestling. And that's what one of the things that really drew me into it was I had all these friends who were, you know, kind of wrestling fans, but they found out that you're hosting WrestleMania party at your house. Well, I'm there. Or we went to we went to the movies to watch the invasion pay-per-view. Like I remember, like that's the type of stuff. And I, that's the thing I love about wrestling is it just brings people together. And I love explaining wrestling when you're watching it with someone who maybe, you know, has, hasn't watched in a while or has never watched. You're like, okay, no. So when this guy comes out, they're going to do this thing. And 
I, it's, it's my favorite thing. <laughs> Chris, I want to thank you so much for sitting down with me. It's been fantastic. Before we go, tell me something about Chris Van Vliet that nobody knows. Oh, wow. Well, first of all, Chris, so good to see you. Thank you for having me on the show. It's crazy. I, I listened to the law growing up, you know, as a kid in the GTA, I listened to the law growing up. Like, I, it's just so crazy how all of this is like so full circle. So appreciate you. Like, thank, thank you for having me on your show. And it's so good to be back home in Canada. I love it. <laughs> a little cold here, but so good to be back home in Canada. Something about me that you don't know. I feel like my life is kind of an open book. So it's out there. Something about me that very few people know is how often I play guitar. I've been playing guitar since I was 16 years old. I was in a very, it wasn't even a band, but it was me and my friend. We called ourselves bully bait. Like we were the bait for the bullies because we got picked on a lot in, in high school. And then I was in an actual band in, in university called The The Band because we sounded so much like a, a The Band. Like at that time, it was the hives and the strokes and the white stripes. And we sounded like an amalgamation of all these. So we're like, we sound like a The Band, but we're not a The Band. We're The The Band. So there you go. If you, I think if you dig real deep on MySpace, you can find some music from the the band. Well, somebody's going to now, just like somebody picked up on your backyard wrestling pictures and they ended up online. The internet is a wacky thing, man. This is one thing that we've definitely found out over, you know, the last little while. So somebody will find the, it. The internet is undefeated. Like I said on one of my Ask CVV episodes, I so I've been a background actor in a bunch of movies. I've been in a few commercials. I mentioned a few of them. The next day on Twitter, my entire timeline was filled with photos of me in The Love Guru with Mike Myers, Criminal Activities. I was in that with John Travolta. I'm in Cherry with Tom Holland for about a second and a half, and people found that somehow. I'm in a Buffalo Wings and Rings commercial in Ohio. People found that. It, it's, it's wild. The internet is undefeated. It's unbelievable. What you put out there, somebody who has a lot more time than we do, apparently, they will make it happen. That's crazy. Uh, Chris, thank you so much. And all of the continued success to you on behalf of, you know, us here in the law and our friends over at SNME, Boris doing the Sunday night main event. Do you enjoy doing this show oh, over there? Of course. Are you doing this? Are you doing the show this week? I think I'm doing it the day of the rumble. So the day after the rumble. So I'm doing it then. Tremendous. Well, we have a lot of fun over there at SNME. There's no well, doubt. Dude, about it. thank you so much. I appreciate you so much and continued success to you. Like you've already had so much success in your career, but continued success to you. Nothing. Nothing compares to some of the people that are out there, yourself included. Uh, that has been a very long BJ. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, if people want to, if they've been living under a rock, you know, as you can see right down there, obviously, www.chrisvanvliet.com right there, you know, for everybody to go check it out. Please do so. Uh, this man deserves all of the flowers every single day of his life, because yeah. if it wasn't for guys like you, um, I don't think that I don't think that wrestling would be as evolved as it is today. Now, one more quick question before we go, because this has always been a thing with a lot of people. And you are a pro wrestling fan, first and foremost. What qualifies as a five-star match for you? 
Oh, wow. How much time do we have here? Jeez. <laughs> It's so subjective, right? And I think that that was one of the things that people missed out on when I had Dave Meltzer on my show is we talked at length about how this is subjective. But I think at the end of the day, there are some performers and there are some, are some matches where you're just like, I mean, that's that's just one of the best matches. I, it's a feeling, right? I think it starts with a feeling. So if this is my definition, if this is the Chris Van Vliet definition, yeah. it starts with a feeling of, oh, wow. Well, that was the best match of the night. That made me feel something. I loved that. And I can't believe the way they pulled off this, this, and this. That's number one. I think number two is then you kind of zoom out a little bit more and you go, wow, that actually might be that one of the best matches that those people in that match have ever put on. But I really think it's a feeling, right? Like it's a feeling to me. And, and there's a whole bunch of matches that don't have that five-star rating on them and that's okay. They're they're subjective. It's in the same way that like some of our favorite movies are not a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Like how could somebody possibly give Inception a negative rating? Like that's wild to me, but you know, it's all it's all subjective. It's all the lens that you look at things through. So I uh, look, I do think it's a travesty though that Kurt Angle does not have a five-star match. I think that Kurt Angle agrees with that as well. But it is what it is. It is. And that's exactly it. Uh, it's crazy what people see and what people don't see. How is Southland Tales, a movie with so much talent in it, did absolutely bupkis at the theaters? You know what I mean? To me, it's one of the greatest stories ever. Just like with professional wrestling, it's all about a feeling. And you've made it okay to have that feeling. It's about a feeling and it's about a story. One of the greatest matches that I was there live for was Cody versus Dustin. Yeah. The feeling like I remember looking around like I had tears in my eyes at the end of that match. I remember looking around and there were a lot of people that were doing some of this. So it's about the feeling. It's about the story. It brings it back to when you first started falling in love with professional wrestling. For me, myself, it was going to the AWA mm. and sitting in the showboat hotel and I was in casino and I was sitting there when, when Colonel De Beers came down and pulled back the pad and put Snooka's face into the cement and see, there's me American into the, the cement, cement. <laughs> into the cement. And he comes up, he's just covered in blood and I'm looking at it. And it wasn't so much what was happening there. I was looking around at the crowd and yeah. the reaction of all the people that was drawn out. Yeah. That was the magic. That was the, the, the feeling, so to speak of professional wrestling. I, and right? I, I know we've been dragging this answer on for a while, but it's also rewatchability. Like I remember getting the best of AJ Styles TNA DVD in what would that have been? Oh, six, oh seven. And rewatching a lot of his work there with Samoa Joe or with Christopher Daniels or amazing red low key, like all those matches, like there was so much rewatchability there, which I think is another added element to it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, anyways, we're going to have to do this again. Let's you do it again. Right. We're going to have to do this more often. I appreciate you coming on here more than you will ever know, my friend. Uh, all the continued success again. This is the Law Live Audio Wrestling. Everybody stick around. We're going to shut this whole thing down right after this commercial break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
Are you in the market for a used vehicle for your family or business? North Toronto Auction hosts public auctions twice a month and everyone's invited. Hundreds of cars, trucks, SUVs, commercial vehicles, and heavy equipment are available. Plus, travel trailers, motorcycles, snowmobiles, ATVs, and more. View the entire selection at NorthTorontoAuction.com. Bid online or bid in person. Bid on items from government agencies, financial companies, fleet managers, car dealers, and public consigners. For more information, visit us online at NorthTorontoAuction.com. Hey, did you know that Saturday, February 24th, Destiny World Wrestling returns to Oshawa and the Children's Arena for Destiny's Reckless? Is that the event featuring the indie god himself, Matt Cardona? You bet it is. I heard he's not going to be there alone. I heard Steph Delander showing up. I heard Fighter Flight is showing up. Vanna Black, Terrazette, Lince Dorado, and a whole bunch more. Man, you better get your tickets now. They're on sale at www.destinywrestling.ca. Don't miss out. Hit that subscribe button to get all the latest from the law, live audio wrestling. Now back to the show. And we are back here on the law, live audio wrestling. And I just got a text and an email. Yes, we are now nominated for an Emmy. What? Uh, Where'd you get that from? We'd have to be at, well, that was Chris just texted me. Oh, okay. Fair um, amazing interview yet again with our friend Chris Van Vliet. You know, I, I got nothing to say. I never have anything to say. You always leave me speechless and I'm still talking. So I'll leave it with you. Listen, it's always been my plan here to, you know, find out stories from people sometimes that aren't able to, or just don't have the chance to tell their story because they're busy telling everybody else's story. And sometimes it's good to hear those stories. We've done that in the past here with, you know, guys like Conrad Thompson. We've done that with uh, the Jimmy Vans of the world. Now the Chris Van Vliet's of the world. These are guys that have given so much to the wrestling industry that people just don't understand how important they are. Uh, Just as important in my opinion, to the wrestlers themselves and and the people that put on these shows for the fans. So it's nice for me just to be able to connect with them uh, and be able to let them tell their story just a little bit more to all y'all. Well, it, it is, it's crazy here to, to listen to him say, even like I grew up listening to the law, live audio wrestling. And that seems to be a constant trend with a lot of these people we're bringing on the show that they are old fans and now new fans again of you, Chris. Well, listen, I, uh, I'm very, very grateful for that, uh, that not everybody forgot, you know, it's like the Dr. Dre song always says, right? Y'all forgot about Dre. Well, I guess, I guess not. And so for that, I want to thank y'all and we're just getting started. You know, we're just getting started. It's gonna, it's gonna be a lot of fun. So hang on, please make sure that you subscribe, uh, to the YouTube channel, which is at the law hyphen live audio wrestling. I read it that time. Thank you very yeah. much. And on all of your Spotify, Apple iTunes and Podbean uh, out there, it's available to you. The law live audio wrestling, all one radio, word. Amazon music. It is literally anywhere you can find uh, your podcast. Uh, search us out or search out Sunday night's main event. Either one, find us online, find us yeah. on YouTube here. Thank you again, ladies and gentlemen, for being a part of another episode of The Law, live audio wrestling. Chris, you got anything you want to plug before we roll this ride out? 
You know, you can always check out my stuff over on my other YouTube channel at TidTalk, at T-I-D-T-A-L-K. Be sure to uh, send us an email, you know, drop us a line. Let's stay in touch. Hit that like, share it, leave us a comment for sure. I don't care, good, bad, ugly, indifferent. Let's just have a conversation. That's what we're about here on the Law Live Audio Wrestling. All right. Well, with that said, we got the red light blinking. I'm going to leave it with you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, yet again. We'll see you next week. Tuck your chin. I fought the law and the law, boy. I fought the law and the law.